Sorry, I don't love you. A friend I've grown accustomed to. Cause with you, if something isn't wrong, something isn't wrong, something isn't right. Hey everyone, welcome to Geekdom is back this week and we also have Becky Kovach back. I hope I didn't butcher that as much as I think I did. No, that was perfect. Okay. I feel like people will tell me how to pronounce their names and then I will still screw it up like 10 seconds later because I might actually be the worst with names. (laughs) Nah, it's fine. Nobody ever gets my last name right anyway. Yeah, I feel like some it's just like very easy to tell and then others especially when it comes to comic book related stuff which is actually something we're talking about today since wonder woman wonder woman is our topic and we're just talking about the film here otherwise this podcast would last like all day if we were just talking about the character and comics and everything else to go with it and i feel like when it's you know actors or actresses or comic book creators and stuff like that I see their names so often, but I never hear them pronounced. No. And I'm just like, uh, so how does this actually go? And I feel like with all my comic book episodes, I probably just butcher all of their last names. And I'm always apologizing to, to them, even though they probably don't listen to the podcast, <laughs> which is fine. It's fine. It's all good. Yeah. No one has like emailed me feedback to correct me on pronunciation. So, you know. So then you're golden. That's a plus. But why don't we go ahead and dive into our Wonder Woman discussion today? And this film just came out this year. So it released, I want to say, June 2nd. That sounds right. So, you know, we're recording this about a month after the movie has been released. And Becky, I know you had to wait a little bit to see it because you had Warp Tour things to do. But yeah, what were your first impressions with Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman? I I thought she was perfect. She really made the role her own. And she's just a total badass when it comes to, to this film. Um, I know she was pregnant when she was filming a good chunk of it too, like yeah. four months pregnant. So not even like a little bit pregnant, but like real <laughs> pregnant. Um, and she just, she has such poise throughout the entire film. And I know she does a lot of her stunts herself. And that's such like an empowering thing to see, especially since this is one of the most high profile um, superhero movies or superhero anything that we've gotten in, in recent years that features a woman as the lead. Yeah, and had you watched Batman versus Superman before seeing this, or was that something you skipped over because it didn't really interest you as much? I did see Batman versus Superman. Um, it it's been a few months since I've seen it, but I, I do remember that she kind of comes in towards the end um as like a little preview of her role as Wonder Woman. Yeah, and the first time we see her in the movie, she's not dressed up as Wonder Woman at all. She's, nope. you know, at the gala or whatever it is. I can't remember because I try to block that movie out for the most part. <laughs> but basically for me, you know, I thought she was the highlight of that movie because I was yeah. like, okay, you kind of just see where they're going to take this character. And I like how they stuck with it because I believe what happened was I don't think she signed on for both at the same time. I don't know if she did, you know, the Batman versus Superman and then signed on for the solo movie. 
I could I could be wrong on that. Maybe she did do sign both at the same time. But I think it's nice that they didn't stray from the person they picked because I know when I was reading up on the movie and everything after, you know, reviews and interviews with Patty Jenkins started coming out and everything. And at first it seemed like Patty wasn't totally sold on Gal as Wonder Woman. And I've heard a lot of people say, not necessarily anyone I know or anyone you and I are mutually friends with, but I've seen around the internet like people are upset that she's not a white woman and not american and it baffles me because wonder woman is not american she's not from here (laughs) no she's not supposed to be a white woman and she's not supposed to be american yeah so you know she's from themiscira and it took me a while to realize how that was pronounced because like like the names, sometimes the places in comic books are very difficult to pronounce when all you're doing is reading them. But we yeah, finally hear pronunciation for things when the movies come out. <laughs> every time I heard her say it in the film though, I thought it was like two words that she was saying. Yeah. <laughs> so I was I was very confused and then I had to look it up later to see what exactly was coming out of her mouth. Yeah, and she it's an amazon island basically for anyone who is listening to this and somehow wouldn't know this so obviously spoiler alerts for everyone we're just going to spoil this whole movie left and right for you guys sorry (laughs) (laughs) so stop listening now if you have not watched the movie but there's a lot of diversity on the island for it being just a group of women it's not like they're all from the same family so to speak or anything like that and I think they did a excellent job casting some of the Amazons or Amazonians whichever you prefer I don't know which one's correct I'm just full of not knowing things right now (laughs) I apologize but you have Robin Wright Claire Underwood for anyone who watches House of Cards (laughs) and she is one of the basically best warriors that they have and she's the one that trains gal and that starts the movie off with that sort of montage of her growing up and sort of becoming wonder woman basically and i think having robin wright in that sort of role it felt perfect for her because of the role she's played on house of cards and a lot of people probably know her from forrest gump and everything like that Mm -hmm. and it's just nice to see that they are picking you know like the right people to sort of fill these powerful roles that they have and with this being the first you know superhero film centered on a woman on this scale I mean we've had Elektra and Catwoman and we probably won't talk about those much here (laughs) just because I think they were a little two before their time I guess you can say it's like people weren't as into the superhero movies or the superhero genre as they are now and I feel like those sort of just came out when there was a slump so then it's like okay like Halle Berry did Catwoman and we don't really talk about it much (laughs) yeah I feel like neither of those films was really given the time that they deserved because they they came out like you said at a time when there was kind of just like this gap that needed to be filled Yeah, and I feel like they really did a great job also casting Chris Pine as Steve Trevor because it really felt like he wasn't trying to 
step on the toes of Wonder Woman the whole movie as Steve Trevor. And it's like he knew his place, one, Mm -hmm. as an actor and as a character. So I think that really helped sort of make it okay that her surrounding cast members, at least when she was, you know, like overseas and everything in Europe and in the UK and everything, be mostly men with the exception of Etta Candy who is also a great, great character in this. So they they did a really excellent job with the casting all around here. And I feel like if they didn't have the same supporting cast, I don't know if this movie would have been as impactful as it was. No, definitely not. I, I think that the, the people that they got for each character were, they were very carefully chosen for their specific roles. And because of that, they all kind of shined in their own way. And that's what made this movie what it is. Yeah. And the thing too, is that Gal was actually in the military before. And Mm -hmm. I think that helps her bring something that not a lot of other actresses would have been able to bring to the character because Wonder Woman is a warrior and she's way more powerful than any little human there is pretty much so yeah it's like she has this presence about her that just fit very well with the character and I know you and I were talking about this before we started recording but I was telling you about how people were talking about the pay gap which is something that is frequently talked about not only in Hollywood but just for women everywhere, at least in the United States. I don't know how things are overseas. I think they're sort of all smarter than us. So, you know, (laughs) it's a little different there. And the gist of it is her base salary for this movie was $300,000, which for people like you and I, that's a lot of money. So, (laughs) you know, but then it came out that Henry Cavill, I hope I'm saying that right. I think I am. I think that's how you say it ended up with 14 million for Man of Steel and that is his final salary for the film. So I think what people didn't realize was the base salary isn't including you know what she gets based on how well the movie does and considering how well this movie is doing, I think she will end up just fine, but I think yeah, there's still that pay gap there because I believe Henry Cavill's base salary was 400,000. If I'm not mistaken, I could be wrong on that, but I think he still did get a higher base salary than she did. Yeah. But then you look at like Chris Evans and Captain America movies, I think his base salary was 300,000, at least for the first one. I don't know about the the others. Yeah, so it's definitely a common thing for them to have these base salaries that seem very low by Hollywood standards, but then based on how well the movies do, they get, you know, X amount more for, you know, however many millions upon millions the movies end up making. And I think that is something that just sort of got people talking about the wrong aspect of the movie. I don't want to say the wrong aspect of the movie because the pay gap is a real thing, but I feel like the focus on it wasn't quite what it should have been because it was a bit misleading when you see okay this is what he got for the entirety of man of steel and this is what she has so far and i think you know just to let you all know she's definitely getting a lot more money for this basically especially if it does better than 
Man of Steel, she can come out with either the same amount, if not more, than he did for Superman. So it's just one of those weird contract things. I know I was talking about it in the Chorus FM forums with some people, and I think, you know, people were like, oh, okay, that makes more sense (laughs) after a little while. And I know there are some articles out there that explained it, too. Yeah. Awesome. Well, now that we have that covered, we're just going to go ahead and dive right in here and just talk about the movie in general. Do you have a favorite moment from the movie specifically, or were you just sort of really excited that, hey, we have this female superhero and, you know, it's probably, I would say Wonder Woman is the biggest female superhero out of, like, all of them is my guess. Yeah, I think she's definitely the most recognizable. I mean, there is, like, uh, I think Captain Marvel. Yeah. In the Marvel Universe, um, there is, you know, Catwoman isn't necessarily a superhero. I I feel like a lot of the the bigger female characters in comic books end up being these, like, not quite superhero, but not quite supervillain. Yeah, they tiptoe Like, on the fence. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So I think she is easily the most recognizable female superhero outright. Um, So I I was kind of just excited for this movie in general because of that and because it's nice to see, you know, a larger female role. Yeah. And I know that Marvel plans to do a Captain Marvel movie and Brie Larson Mm -hmm. was cast in that and everything. But I think from also a comic book perspective, Wonder Woman has just been around so much longer than all of these other characters, really. And I would say, you know, even for Marvel, Sue Storm of the Fantastic Four might, you know, like, be the first main woman superhero that they had, Just but she was on a team. Same with Black Widow and everything, and Scarlet Witch. They're on these teams, and I think, you know, obviously a lot of people have been wanting a Black Widow solo film, And I personally do not understand why that has not happened yet, (laughs) because I would love to see that. Like, I would go see that in an instant. And I think with Wonder Woman now, they've shown that you can have a movie within continuity that goes back and gives you the origin story of the character. And while personally... I know origin stories can get tiring, especially when it's Batman, Spider-Man, like these heroes that we've already seen seen. so many times. Yeah. And, you know, how many different actors have played Batman and Spider-Man already? It's like, okay, we do not need the origin again. (laughs) And with Wonder Woman, I think they did it very tastefully because they have her walking into her office in the present day. So after... Batman versus Superman happened and Bruce sends her this photo and that takes us to sort of a memory of hers basically of her origin and everything and then we're back in the present by the end of the movie so I think that was a nice way to frame it just so you know they don't have to be like oh my god another origin story what are they going to do now they can pick it back up where Batman versus Superman left off now that they got the origin story out of the way. And with Wonder Woman, it's not one that we've necessarily seen on the screen too much. I know there was the TV show with Linda Carter 
back mm-hmm. in the day. I don't even want to try and guess what years the- <laughs> that was because, <laughs> you know, it's totally different to have something on TV and have something be a movie because with TV, you have so much more time to sort of work everything out and get a bunch of different, you know, villains and everything in it. And obviously when Linda Carter was Wonder Woman, they did not have near as many effects as they do now. So you, it's like a whole different ballgame. And I wouldn't even attempt to compare the two because I feel like that just would not be fair to either. Right. (laughs) No, definitely not. And I think with Gal as Wonder Woman, they really have someone that they can build with for future movies and everything like Marvel has done with all of their characters, basically, you know, Robert Downey Jr., Chris Evans, Scarlett Johansson, Mark Ruffalo, they've all been these characters for so many years. And the fact that Gal was actually about to quit acting, I think sort of (laughs) says a lot about how hard of a profession it can be even though for you know those of us who aren't in that business probably think well they're just overpaid for what they do which yes they probably are as any entertainment person is whether it's movies sports or what have you I feel like that's always going to be the case but it's because people are willing to pay for entertainment that they can afford to be overpaid so much (laughs) you know what I mean right so I think the fact that you know This is not only a revival for DC, probably, but also for her acting career. I think that kind of goes hand in hand for keeping her on for multiple movies, because I'm sure she'll get offered other roles and everything now that this happened, which I think we've seen with, you know, plenty of other people when they get these, you know, like big superhero marvel dc disney movies and then they you see them pop up in other things down the road and i think this is just a really solid sort of reboot i guess you could say for the dc universe and obviously she's going to be in justice league later this year and i'm hoping i'm really really hoping they get that one right too yeah i i i think that this is one of the best things that DC has done. And it it could definitely be a turning point for them in in terms of future movies. And I know there's a whole bunch of TV shows that I have not done a good job of keeping up with, but um, I I think that this is, this being so good and and so well done um, could get people excited about the DC universe again. Yeah. And I was actually going to ask you about the TV shows because I am a crazy person and I watch pretty much all of the superhero things. So, (laughs) well, so in terms of TV shows, there's Flash, right? Yeah. There's that whole CW universe right now. So it's the Flash, Arrow, Supergirl, and Legends of Tomorrow. Right. So they have four shows on (laughs) during the week. (laughs) Yeah. I, so I, have they they they're like on my list in terms of things that I need to watch but I've done such a bad job of keeping up with just Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and that's one show (laughs) yeah that trying to dive into four others has been nearly impossible for me yeah and I think if you liked Wonder Woman this much I would highly recommend diving into Supergirl first because okay it it was on I want to say it was on CBS the first season and then it moved over to the CW and that first season was really really solid because 
obviously CBS has a bigger budget than the CW does, but you know, it, it fell off a little bit in season two, but that is a show that sort of really knows how to handle the female characters. And even the ones that aren't Supergirl, you know, she has a sister and everything. Well, you know, like an adopted sister, obviously it's Supergirl. (laughs) Yeah. They just handle the characters really well in that. And I think that is something that is really along the lines of what they accomplished with Wonder Woman. And it's nice to see these female characters getting more and more attention in the superhero films and TV shows. Because, like you said, you're watching Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. So, you know, you have some female characters in there that are just like far superior to (laughs) what some of the male characters could do and everything like that. And it's so refreshing to finally see it, not just be a boys club basically. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. I, I, I do love agents of shield and I think quake and may especially are really great characters and, and Gemma. Um, And it's nice to see DC doing more of the same and bringing out these really strong female characters. Yeah. And I want to talk about the beginning of Wonder Woman specifically when we're going through the montage and everything, because I only saw the movie once so far and that part did feel a little long to me. And I think it's just because it was a lot of the same stuff, but as she aged essentially. And, you know, that part was a little slow, but I think it's crucial for the new fans, like the kids who went to go see this and everything, because they might not be nearly as much of a nerd as I am and actually read comic books. So I think, you know, like I said, doing the origin here was fine. But then once we got past that opening section of her becoming this warrior and everything, when we get to the part with Steve Trevor crashing on the island and then her going with him to fight the war and everything that did not really feel as much like an origin story it just felt like part of wonder woman's history and it was a fantastic story to tell and what do you think about how they went about telling this story i agree that the the montage at the beginning was a little slow and kind of drawn out but also, like you said, it's kind of important for these these newer fans who maybe don't know as much about Wonder Woman's background. Um, and it was a, it was a good way to set it up for her leaving for London with Steve and and seeing what went into her training and how hard she trained and um, why she's able to go and and join this war and, and take down you know a whole occupying force in a town pretty much single handedly. Yeah, and. No Man's Land is the scene where she runs across that section, which is specifically called No Man's Land, because no one can cross it without being killed, basically. And I just love the look on her face when she just, like, takes her coat off and just, like, starts going up there. (laughs) Yeah. And I think, you know, they really do a great job, too, of putting some comedic relief in during this too because if this were just a straight up intense war film i don't know if it would have worked as well because in comic books they sort of always have you know these dark situations but they 
add this little bit of a lighter tone just to like sort of get you through it. And I think they did a really great job capturing that one with Gal and two with Steve Trevor, too. Yeah. And Chris Pine, because in that opening scene before she leaves, you know, he's in it's like a hot tub or something, but it's not a hot tub. And he just sort of goes to get up and she's just standing there. And he's just like confused because he's like, but can I, you know, like get dressed or something here in private? (laughs) And it's just one of those moments where it's funny to the audience, but to them, it's probably not quite as funny. (laughs) Yeah. Or um, the scene in the boat when they're leaving Themyscira um, and she's asking him why he won't sleep with her yeah <laughs> or she she basically says something along the lines of like men are essentially useless right um beyond like reproductive purposes um and he goes to lay somewhere else in the boat and she's like you can lay here and he's like fine i'll sleep with you whatever you want <laughs> he basically just gives up and she, for her it's just all very like straightforward business like but he is so embarrassed by the whole situation that he doesn't know what to do. Yeah, and a lot of these things are funny because they come from two very different places where, you know, for him, some of these things are a really big deal. And for her, she's just like, what is wrong with you? Yeah. (laughs) Like, like, why are you being so weird? And Yeah, she doesn't understand it at all. Yeah, and I think, you know, they did a really great job of letting us know that, okay, these two people come from very different places. And even in the comics, you can see that with Wonder Woman, because it does take a while for her to get adjusted to things being so different than they are on the island. And, you know, obviously, in the present day, she is much, much more adjusted. And she's had quite a bit of time to adjust. So that makes sense. And I just love how they sort of give you that little bit of information with how they frame the film, because it's like, okay, hey, she has a job, she goes to work, you know, she does things like we all do. She sends emails. Right. And then in this flashback, it's like, we get the very beginning struggles of her trying to sort of just be able to blend in and all of this stuff. And it's just so fun to watch. And I probably will watch this movie again. I'm not huge on rewatching films just because I feel like there's so much stuff out there. Like, why would I rewatch something? But every once in a while, I will rewatch stuff because it was just so enjoyable the first time around when I watched it. And this is definitely one of those movies. And another person I want to talk about too real quick is David Thewlis, who plays Ares and Sir Patrick Morgan. I don't know about you, but I was not paying attention to him enough in the beginning of his scenes and everything when he first showed up to realize that he was going to be Ares, but apparently other people caught on to that. Did you have any clue or not? I I would not have picked up on that if not for the fact that I went and saw this movie with my best friend who is, I love her, but when it comes to watching movies with her, she's the worst because she <laughs> literally guesses every single time what's going to happen, who's going to be the bad guy, like how it's all going to wrap up. Like, so as we're sitting in the movie, she leaned over and she was like, he's going to be the bad guy. You just wait and see. And sure enough, she was right. Yeah. And it's funny because I saw him on the screen and mind you, I went to see this while Fargo was in the middle of its third season and he's sort of like the disgusting 
bad guy in Fargo. <laughs> and I was just like, oh, he's the guy from Fargo. And I was like so caught up on that. I guess I didn't catch all of these little signs and everything that he was going to be the bad guy. So then when I saw people predicting that, I was like, but how did you do that? <laughs> and yeah, for just- me, it was seeing him as uh, Professor Lupin from Harry Potter. Okay, that's what else he was from. I was like, he looked strangely familiar when I saw him in Fargo because I had been covering that over at Hidden Remote. And I was just kind of, it was just one of those things. It's like, I feel like I should know who this is, but I also don't know if I should know who this is. And then, you know, when I saw this, obviously Fargo being the more recent thing that I had been watching, I was like, oh, it's that dude. And then it's like, I should have kind of guessed that he might have been the bad guy because who else was it going to be? And we did have her going after the general and he was a bad guy, but not the bad guy. So, you know, they did a nice job of sort of giving her this inner turmoil as well, because she had, you know, such this hatred for Ares that she wanted to believe that this whole war was because of him and everything. Right. And, you know, she thought it was the general and was fighting with him and then Ares appears while that's happening and everything. And it's just one of those things where you can definitely see like the light bulb go off for her. And she's like, Oh, what did I just do? (laughs) And Like who was that guy? And I mean, I know he was bad and everything, but you know, the thing with the superhero movies is they don't really tend to kill people Especially when it comes to, you know, like Batman and the Justice League and everything like that, because Batman is in the Justice League. That's probably why. But it was just one of those interesting things to see because present day, you know, that wouldn't play out like it did then. Yeah. I feel like we also see her kind of coming to grips with the fact that, like, yes, Ares was a real person and a real force in in their world, but even after she had killed him, it didn't mean that mankind was going to be good, that there were still going to be these flaws within humans that she stuck around to kind of police our world and to keep the world safe. But she had to kind of accept that and come to terms with it first. Yeah. And you see Steve trying to explain a lot of these things about the way humans work and everything, basically, throughout the whole movie. And it's one of those things where she sort of just has to figure things out for herself. And whenever it it almost felt like whenever Steve opened his mouth to tell her something, it's just like it either went over her head or she just thought it was absolutely ridiculous. And I wouldn't say that for, you know, like every single thing he said. Obviously, some things made sense to her because, you know, she's very smart and just it's more of the sort of lifestyle that she didn't understand so to speak and it was really interesting to see how they played out the Steve Trevor storyline because in the comics that's not quite how things happen and I was a little bummed personally that they got rid of him so quickly basically (laughs) and I mean I know because this was so long ago that he wouldn't be around in the present day but it would have been interesting to see him in more than just you know he went to the island they came back and then he died 
Yeah. And I, I know personally, I would love to see more of that, that in between time um, where she is learning to adjust to our world. And I feel like he would have been very involved in that if he had not been killed off right away. Not that I think they're going to make anything that shows us her learning what it's like to live here. But um, that that's something that I personally would be interested in seeing because there is such a difference between her in the flashback and the origin story versus the modern day when she's emailing Bruce Wayne about this photo and, and telling him the story. Yeah, and in the comics and everything, he is sort of one of the people who helps her along and sort of helps her figure things out and sort of teaches her how to act around these people that are completely unlike her in a lot of ways. And Etta Candy in both the movies and the comics obviously helps with that. So what my guess is, is that when she goes back with Etta and the other guys and everything, they sort of just stick together and kind of help push her along as far as they can take her. And obviously, like you said, with the emails and everything, it's a very, very different situation. And, you know, she hasn't aged a day. So (laughs) it's definitely going to be interesting to see what they do with her character after Justice League. Because there have been talks about Wonder Woman 2 already and, you know, they don't have a full script or anything close to that. But it's being worked on is basically the gist that I got from all of the news. Yeah, I I would definitely love to see a second Wonder Woman movie. I think that they can develop this character so much more and do so much with her that it would be kind of a mistake not to. Yeah, I don't see how they wouldn't do a sequel after how well this did. I think as soon as they saw the first weekend numbers, they were probably like, all right, let's start working now. Yeah. (laughs) And with Batman versus Superman being just last year, this coming out mid-year, and then we're getting Justice League in November, that's quite a bit of Wonder Woman already. And I think it'll be interesting to see how she fits in with the team dynamic because we did get a little bit of it in Batman versus Superman, but I feel like we didn't get quite enough of her there to really know how well those three would work together. And I know Superman hasn't really appeared in any of the Justice League trailers or anything like that, but her and Batman seem to have this connection from the start when she first showed up in Batman versus Superman. And we get more of that. I wouldn't say too much more of it, but we get more of that in her solo film with the photo and the email and everything. So I think there's definitely something there that will make those two a pretty big focus in Justice League, at least for me, because I want to see how they play that out and everything. Because in the comics and in the, animated shows and everything wonder woman has sort of had three different love interests between steve trevor batman and superman at various points in time and we already know you know superman and lois is a thing so it'll be interesting to see how these two connect in justice league too yeah and it definitely seems like they're going to explore that more in the upcoming film yeah So to go back to the solo film specifically, what would you say they 
could have done better if you think there's anything they even could have really done better with this movie i mean i feel like we kind of touched on it a little bit when we were talking about the montage and her her training and how it was a little bit drawn out and it it was kind of overdone the whole overprotective mother yeah situation um where her mom just seems so worried about protecting her and keeping her safe when they live on this beautiful paradise of an island surrounded by the best warriors pretty much anywhere. Um, And knowing that she was going to grow up to be such a strong warrior, it was just, it was a little bit much. Yeah. But other than that, I I don't know that there was too much else in the film that I, I felt really needed to be played around with at all. Yeah, I would definitely say that I wouldn't even call it a complaint necessarily. It's just if no. they if I could have them change one thing, I maybe would have made that scene like five to ten minutes shorter and then at the end maybe given us just a little more of her in the present day because it ends with her sending that email to Bruce, but we see her in this office full of artifacts, and I sort of would have liked to see a little more of that because obviously, you know, she's probably some historian or something like that. And I think it would have been a nice little addition to see more of her regular day to day life, not as Wonder Woman, but as Diana Prince. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you on that. It it would have been cool to see um, the contrast between what they were showing us about her past and, and what her present actually is. Yeah, and I do want to talk about some more of these supporting characters, too, because I think Etta Candy might have been one of my favorite ones, aside from Steve Trevor, because she sort of just really had this bubbly personality. And, you know, Steve brings back... Diana and she just like does not question it really at all she just really goes along with it and it's really amazing to me because you can see people on the street sort of just looking at her like she's this foreign thing that they've never seen before which is true because they have not seen someone from Themyscira before probably and she's sort of just walking around with her sword and her shield and you know she has like her little outfit on underneath the coat and everything and Etta just totally goes along with all of it she even like takes the sword and starts carrying it yeah she's a fun character yeah and I think it was great for them to put her in there because she does play a fairly significant role in Wonder Woman and Diana's life in the comics and everything and it was just one of those things that also added some more of that comedy to the movie because of how the actress played the character and everything. You know, she's involved in the military, obviously, because she helped Steve out with everything. And you would not guess that at all if you just, like, ran into her on the street or something. And it's a bit different from the comics because she's, like, much more serious in the comics and everything. But I think some of these changes that they made were definitely for the better of the movie. Yeah. And I think one of my favorite things about her is the fact that Steve places so much trust in her. Yeah. And and she really does have a lot of responsibility in the grand scheme of things, which 
back in those days for a woman to be that involved in anything remotely military was kind of unheard of. So I just, I thought that was really great. Yeah. And I think the only reason it differs from the current comics is because this doesn't take place in the same time period that the comics are really taking place during, because in the comics, you know, Edda is not a secretary. She actually has like a position within the military and is a part of the military in a different capacity. And I think even though in this, for the time period that it's in, women sort of didn't do much at all other than be sort of secretaries and receptionists and that sort of thing, because it's during the war and everything. And Obviously, a lot of the women went to go work in factories during the war and everything like that, too. But you don't have anyone like Diana in this movie because of the time period that it's in. You know, you don't have a Lois or these other strong female characters during this time period. So putting Edda in sort of gives you that because it, again, shows just how much Steve doesn't really agree with the social norms because he's just like, all right, the woman can do this. The woman can handle this. You know, he just like puts a lot of trust into him. And I think that helps make his character a lot better, too. Like we mentioned earlier, he doesn't really step on Diana's toes or, you know, when she's being Wonder Woman, he's just like, all right, go do your thing because I can't do any of that. (laughs) Yeah, he kind of understands that he is the sidekick in this situation. Yeah, and I think that makes this so much more refreshing than when we see, you know, sort of how they handled Black Widow in the recent Avengers movie and everything like that. And that, it felt like, you know, she was trying to be with Bruce Banner just because that felt like the thing they should do, not because it actually seemed like it was the thing that was going to happen in the first place. (laughs) Right. And I think, too, what they did with Steve and Diana's relationship, you know, obviously there's this immediate connection with them. And they didn't, you know, push that so hard right away. And they sort of just let things fall into place naturally so that by the end of the movie, we sort of felt what they were feeling when Steve hops in the plane and, you know, essentially blows himself up to save people. Yeah, it it didn't. Yeah, it didn't feel forced was the thing. And that was really nice to see, because a lot of times, even when you do have these strong female characters, it feels like the writers are like, oh, no, we need them to have a love interest like that still needs to happen. We can't just have them be their own independent person. Yeah. And the reason it works so well, too, is because he doesn't force it either. It's just like he sort of just keeps waiting and waiting. And then he's like, "Okay, this is the moment. And then it goes to them. You know, it switches scenes, basically, when that happens. And it's just sort of this unspoken thing for the rest of the movie. Yeah, it it wasn't like it, it wasn't like overly done. It was just kind of there and you you felt it and you knew that it happened, but they didn't really make a thing out of it. Yeah, exactly. And I think it would be remiss of us to not also mention Dr. Poison in this, yet another female character who is sort of doing something you probably wouldn't see 
women doing at the time and she's one of the extra bad guys in this you know she's paired up with general ludendorff there and she is just so evil that she probably could have been a villain all on her own oh absolutely and i think you know it's just one of those things where they just added another aspect to the movie and it's like okay they got this right and even just like the look of the character and everything you know with the the plastic mask covering part of her face and everything it's just like oh she's so evil it's so great and it's so bad at the same time because she's evil and it's just I think they just really did a great job not only with the casting on this but with how they wrote all of the characters in it too with you know like we said maybe the exception of Queen Hippolyta. Hippo- I, oh God, I hope that was right. <laughs> um, I think it's I think it's Hippolyta. Okay, Queen Hippolyta, and you know her sort of overprotectiveness and everything like that. I think that was you know the only really downside to the movie and the writing that I specifically noticed. And I'm sure there are people out there who didn't like this movie quite as much as we did, and that is totally fine. But I think just the fact that they finally made this movie and so many people went to go see it is a huge step forward for them. And I think, you know, I don't know if Dr. Poison will necessarily open up, you know, the doors for these female villains and everything. since she wasn't really the focus of, you know, Wonder Woman's attention and everything. That was Ares, and it was sort of Steve was dealing more so with Dr. Poison than I would say anyone else was. Yeah, which, honestly, I found her to be more terrifying than the actual villain in this film. Yes. (laughs) Just, she has such a dark and twisted mind, and the things that she's able to create and the destruction that she can cause is just, it, it, it terrifies me. And that says something, considering the actual villain was the god of war. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, even being like a secondary villain in the film, she was just very well developed and portrayed. Yeah, and I think, you know, a lot of times with superhero movies, it's like we want to see this one big bad villain and we don't really want to see much else. And they have done that with a lot of movies. But I think when you have something like this it gives you an extra, you know, aspect of the film to focus on. Like, we couldn't solely focus on Ares just because he was the big bad. There was still all this other stuff going on that had to be dealt with. And I think that really rounded out the movie a lot better, too, because this movie probably would not have been quite as exciting or have quite the same consequences without Dr. Poison in it. No, definitely not. And I think I do want to talk about that final fight scene with Ares there too because you watched Batman versus Superman and it really did feel a lot like a Zack Snyder fight scene basically because it sort of had this darkness to it like it did when they were fighting in Batman versus Superman and all three of them were there and everything like that and it was just like utter chaos and destruction and 
I know some people weren't fans of that scene necessarily, too, because it reminded them so much of Zack Snyder. But, you know, he was a producer on this. So that's something to keep in mind. So I'm sure, you know, while Patty Jenkins was the director and we should note that she is the first female director to do a superhero movie, a studio superhero movie. That's just sort of saying something about how much DC wanted this to work, too, I think. And while that fight scene was a little dark and maybe a little Zack Snyder-y for some people's tastes, I think it was still okay if you look at it more from the perspective of just how powerful Wonder Woman is. And, you know, she can't hear Steve when he's telling her that he has to go. And it sort of doesn't register with her until later. And then she sees the plane blow up, like, you know, while this fight is going on and everything like that, or, you know, at the end of it. And it's just a very, very powerful moment, even if, you know, artistically, it might not look quite how some people wanted it to. Yeah. I think the way that they had him tell her, I have to go and tell her that he loves her where she can't hear it and the audience can't hear it the first time around. Yeah. Um, I think that was really powerful um, because I, I remember sitting there watching him trying to talk to her and trying to tell her something and wondering what the hell he was saying. Right. And then to have that realization along with Wonder Woman, along with Diana um, later on in the fight scene was just, I thought that was a really great choice. Because it made it that much more impactful for me as the audience. Yeah. Especially in the middle of this massive fight scene with the God of War. Yeah, exactly. And I do have another question I want to ask you because I don't know if I'm crazy and the only person who is thinking this. But, you know, we see Steve in the plane and he looks back and then we see it blow up from the ground. Basically, we see it blow up from sort of Wonder Woman's perspective. But we never actually see. Steve Trevor die and I know they go back to London and they see the memorial with the photo and everything but was there any part of you that was like no Steve is not dead or was that just me (laughs) oh no I definitely I I was sitting there thinking to myself there's no way they just killed him off okay (laughs) I mean I feel like with these movies there's always that like plot twist yeah and it's to the point where you almost expect it like oh no he's gonna pop up behind her and everything's gonna be fine but it definitely gives the sense in this one that that was final. That was the way it ended for him. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's good to know it wasn't just me that was holding oh. on to that little last oh, bit of no. hope there. <laughs> oh, no. That Every time I watch anything and I get attached to a character and I watch them die, I am sitting there even long after thinking to myself, there's no way they just did that. Yeah. And it's nice to see that even though that happened to her her and the guys are still sort of finding this little way to celebrate the fact that the war is over and everything and you know she doesn't care to take credit for anything no and you just sort of see her walking around in the crowd and it's like you know I think it's funny with superheroes where it's like no one ever recognizes them unless they're in costume especially you know like Superman it's like really glasses come on oh, guys yeah, he throws on a pair of glasses and suddenly nobody knows who he is Yeah, I mean, I've heard that, at least with the comics, 
when they draw Clark Kent and Superman, they sort of change Clark Kent like a little bit. Like he's always like slouching and doing these sort of things to hide his identity. And I don't think they do that quite enough in the movies for me to for it to be believable. But when you see it in the comics and you can like see that they've actually drawn the character a slightly different way, I think that's something that's cool. And I sort of wish that's something they would incorporate into the movies a little more because if you look at Gal Gadot, it's like, okay, like, you know it's her. It's very hard to mistake her for someone else. Yeah, there's no way nobody would recognize her. Especially she's single, pretty much single-handedly saved an entire village. Yeah, it's like, okay, the little, you know, uniform, I guess you could call it, that she puts on for the Amazons and everything. It's like, okay, you can see her in that and you can see her in regular clothes and know she's still the same person. It just, the public baffles me in all of these yeah. superhero movies. I'm just like, how do you, how do you not? Especially someone like Black Widow. It's like, she doesn't even really dress up. She's just in all black. Yeah. It, 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 that's like one of the most confusing things about all superhero movies is that nobody ever knows. Yeah. And I mean, they obviously make much more of an effort when she first gets to London to, to sort of like conceal her because they're just like, no, you can't walk around wearing this. Yeah. That, that, the, the outfit that she shows up to London in is definitely not part of the fashion of those times. Yeah. No, it's not even probably part of the fashion today, to be honest. Um, walk around New York City for a day or so. Well, yes, You'd but be surprised. I'm sure most people do not walk around with a shield and a sword. I could be wrong. No. It is New York, <laughs> but, you know, that, that was a little much for London to handle there. Yeah. Because it's like, you know, another moment is when she's at the party and her sword is just, like, stuck between her shoulder blades. And part of me is like, what's actually holding the sword up? Because I feel like her dress would not be able to ho hold that heavy sword. No, that part confused me a little bit because also- But it looked great. It, I mean, it did look good, but it didn't necessarily look like it was part of the dress. Right. I, I, I thought it kind of stuck out like yeah, a sore thumb. It, yeah, it felt very obvious that it was a sword. And I was just like, do people not- are they ignoring this or do they just not understand what's going on does, here? Does nobody does nobody care that she seems yeah. to be trying to conceal a weapon and not doing a very good job of it? Yeah. I mean, those things are like for, forgivable things for me in the movies because yes. they're equally as ridiculous in the comics and TV shows and everything because they're superheroes. It's like, okay, we know this isn't real life. And, you know, you, they sort of get a little not a little, a lot more leeway with certain things than something that's meant to be more realistic. Like, if you ask me how any science works in the comic books, I'm just like, I don't think that's humanly possible. So don't ask me. <laughs> yeah, there's always a little bit of suspended disbelief. But with, with that one, I was just, I was sitting in the theater watching her walk around with this sword between her shoulder blades. And it just seems so outrageous to me that that simple simple of a fix was what got her past everybody yeah and it's like okay it's going to be extremely awkward when you like reach your arm all the way back to lift the sword out of the back of your dress <laughs> and it was one of those things where it made sense but it didn't I was like okay that that would never fly <laughs> especially somewhere where there, there's all these armed men and everything like they really wouldn't notice <laughs> yeah there had to have been some kind of security I know they were checking invitations on the way in 
somebody somewhere should have noticed that there was something off about her. Yeah, and I did love the part where she just, like, knocked the lady out and stole her dress. <laughs> yeah. Even though it probably would not have fit her that well if she actually did that to someone. But, you know, like I said, another one of those things. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, I think that sort of wraps up any questions I had for you. Is there anything we missed that you wanted to talk about for the movie? Um, no, I feel like we touched on all of the really important aspects of it, especially like we were talking about earlier, how great the casting was for this. Everybody really fit into their roles so well. And that's what kind of made this movie as great as it was. Yeah. So I guess to close it out, what would you rate the movie on a let's say one to five scale i mean my first instinct is to give it a five out of five but i also feel like you're never supposed to give anything the highest score possible because i don't know that just seems impractical but i yeah it's definitely up there yeah i gave it a four and a half out of five because it's very hard for me to give something like a five out of five or ten out of ten or whatever it's just like very very rare that i even do that So I felt like this was just so much better than a lot of what I've seen out of DC. I was like, okay, well, I gave Suicide Squad a two, and this was like way better than that. (laughs) So I was like, all right, four and a half it is. Yeah, I can get down with that. And I mean, like I said, not everyone is going to agree with us, and that's fine. But as ladies who watch these comic book shows and the films and everything like that, I think for us, it's definitely going to have a bit of a different impact than it will have for a lot of guys who go to see this movie. And I mean, there are, you know, like the Kevin Smiths of the world who sort of just love all of this stuff so much that even he's like super thrilled that there's finally a woman superhero fronting one of these films and everything. And it's really great to see a lot of the guys in the community also support this as much as they have because they're even some of them are like well finally (laughs) yeah awesome well thank you so much becky for coming on this yeah of course it's definitely fun to talk about and i absolutely wanted to get another lady on here to talk about it because i felt like it would just be wrong not to do so so I know we will probably have you back on in the future. You and I have quite a few things in common, so we'll we'll be discussing more, you know, topics here in the near future. Oh, absolutely. We still we need to both of us watch American Gods so that we can talk about that and contrast it with the book. Yes. I want to call it like a follow-up episode, but really it's about the show instead of the book so it's not really follow-up it's just like a hey we're gonna cover this one too (laughs) yeah it's kind of a continuation yeah exactly awesome well that covers it for all that i have today and to our listeners as always thank you guys for listening if you enjoy this episode or any of the other episodes all i ask is that you share it you can post to twitter facebook whatever or just go tell a friend about it If you are so inclined, you can also rate it on iTunes. But, you know, I know sometimes iTunes is quite a hassle to do things in. So all I ask is that you share this if you enjoy it. And if you have topic suggestions, you can email the podcast at welcometogeekdompod at gmail.com. I'm really hoping that's correct. It'll be in the show notes just in case it's not. So (laughs) we will have that ready for you guys. And you know, as always, enjoy the rest of your day.